Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hello and happy New Year's Eve. I can't believe it's already the end of the year. And I just want to welcome you to this episode of the Finding Harmony podcast. I hope that it helps you feel really empowered and helps you to create positive change in your life. So as we approach the start of this brand new year, you know, I know many of you listening will be excited and eager to maybe start a new healthier habit or to make positive transformation or to create more time to focus on your spiritual practice or your yoga practice. But let's be honest, maintaining new habits can be really challenging. Starting off, we often have a lot of energy. We feel really excited and we have all this momentum but come like two or three weeks from now there's gonna be obstacles that start to come up that hinder our practice and derail our intentions and so today I am talking with Lane Stowell she is an amazing healthy habits and weight loss coach and she is sharing some majorly valuable insights on how to overcome the obstacles that commonly arise when we're trying to start a new habit or create a new routine or do something for ourselves that's a little bit different or a little bit outside of what we've normally been doing. And so she's going to help us with some strategies, some actionable tips, and also some inspiring stories to kickstart our new year with a sense of more confidence and resilience and just help us really put together a great plan so that we can continue to make consistent change in a positive way without getting derailed or losing hope or feeling like we're failing all the time. So not just willpowering our way through making new healthy habits, but really helping us to create the mindset and create the strategies and the structure needed to make these new habits last and last the whole year and last potentially a lifetime. So I'm really excited to dive into this episode. I think it's going to hold within it many valuable tips and insights and secrets to shed light on how to stay committed to your goals throughout 2024. And if you would like to take some time at the beginning of this new year to reflect and envision and create a really beautiful plan for 2024, then I'd encourage you to download my reflection workbook and it will just help you to reflect on 2023, looking at where you've come and then project into the future, creating some goals, some plans, some actionable steps so that you can have the best year of your life as we start fresh tomorrow. So head on over to my website, harmonieslater.com. You'll find the download right there. You can just sign on up and download your free workbook and guide. And it's a really powerful 
ritual to dive into to help you make 2024 the year that you really want it to be, to get focused and create clarity and to start to move in the direction of your dreams. So I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback. Drop me a note uh, on Instagram. Harmony Slater official and let me know what you think of the reflection workbook. I'd love to chat with you about it. So let's jump into this beautiful episode. I'm wishing you a very, very happy new year and hoping that it's a wonderful, wonderful year. I am here today with the beautiful Lane Stowell. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So do you want to like introduce yourself? I could introduce you, but I think it'll yeah. be more interesting coming from you. What's, what's yeah. your specialty? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, of course. I, um, I live in Denver, Colorado. I am a health and nutrition coach, and I really specialize in weight loss through habit and behavior change. Habit change, behavior change. All things healthy habits is my jam. I have three small babies, three wild dogs, <laughs> couple, three horses, couple wild horses, <laughs> couple horses. Yeah, so we just got like a whole farm. thing going on, a farm going on over here. A lot happening, and yeah. which honestly just makes me more passionate about this work because life is so freaking busy. So if we can figure out how to simplify healthy living, like. That is what I'm here to do. Yeah, and you are incredibly passionate about it and incredibly good at what you do. And we have had the good fortune of being friends for almost, I, maybe three years now, right? I think so. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. And uh, you've helped me in many, many ways with my own journey with food and navigating Hashimoto's and many health challenges that have come up, especially this year. And so I just wanted to share your wealth of wisdom with all of our listeners because it's incredible. And one thing that really kind of struck me, you know, we were talking the other day about your daughter's preschool and yes. how much we're given, like from a young age, sugar, basically treats, dessert as snacks and like rewards and I know that's my mom's favorite thing you know let's go get an ice cream I mean, <laughs> sure since I don't know how long right <laughs> and three to 53 we're just like celebrating holidays and special occasions and haircuts and everything else with ice cream <laughs> yeah exactly and it's so hard I think it's so challenging for people to reprogram some of those habits sometimes it's tough. It's tough. Um, and yeah, it starts at such a young age. Those habits, those behaviors around food are just like so deeply seated and rooted in us. It's hard to kind of even build awareness around why it is we're doing these things, let alone then how to change them. You know, we don't think about turning on a light switch. We just turn on a light switch. That's like a really self-serving habit. We don't want to have to spend any brain power like thinking about how to turn on a light switch. There's so many things we do in our life that have become super habitual that are no longer serving us. And yeah, like with my daughter, it starts at a really, really, really young age. And it's, it's kind of hard to watch sometimes with the little ones. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because you're so conscientious about how you feed your kids and what you feed your kids. And then they go to this 
really like, you know, holistic preschool. <laughs> and even at the holistic preschool, they're still like rewarded with sugary treats as for good behavior, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And something like so interesting to see. I mean, I work with adults, but I have young children. So I work a lot with like with my kiddos. On yeah. It. But a lot of the things around food and working with adults are using food for comfort and using food for celebration, yeah. right? And it's like a common theme. Of course, we, we're all doing it, really. And then we watch these kiddos, and what are we doing? We are giving them food for celebration, and we're giving them food for comfort. We're giving them food for good behavior. We are teaching them how to, like, do good, and then you get, like, a treat afterwards. Yeah. So, again, it's this, like, comfort and celebration with food as a young child and now here we are I am working with adults on well how do I break these habits yeah yeah and food is such a I mean even when we go back to infants right I mean food is such a comfort it's like you know nursing a, a baby it's like that's our first association with you know, mm -hmm. our stomach and so much, I forget, like 80% of serotonin is made in our stomach or something like that. So that's like our, you know, our happy drugs, our feel good chemicals. So there's a real biochemical association there with comfort, with happiness, with feeling good. Absolutely. Yeah. It's actually over 90% of our serotonin is created in our fat. Yeah. Yeah. And also when you eat something that just freaking tastes good and like lights up all those flavors yeah. you're getting a hit of dopamine in that like in that real-time moment so now you've got like your past connection with this food plus you're getting like actual like firework reward center going off in your yeah. brain that's like oh i love this i feel so comforted and excited about this like it's no wonder that this is hard yeah yeah it's so hard to break those habits because of Super all of these hard. things going on it's like it's not even, it, you know, it's not even our faults, really, but it's our biochemistry. We're like wired to want these things that create these chemical reactions in our, our minds and in our bodies, right? Absolutely. I think the more we understand what's happening, yeah. the more we can kind of see like why our bodies are spatting this way. Equip ourselves, of course, with tools to kind of interrupt those patterns, break those habits. And then also understand a little bit of like behavioral science, like how can I move through this hardship so that I can feel good, so that I can have energy, so that I don't, so that I'm sleeping well, so that I feel good in my clothes, so that I can go out with my kids or with my dogs and be active and feel alive. Like that, it is not our fault, but it is our responsibility to learn these tools, to break some of these habits and then on the other side of it, have the health that we want. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And so it's a new year and I don't yes. know what the statistic is on this either, but I think like it's pretty high up there when it comes to like people wanting to either, I mean, it's now people are doing like dry January, right? Mm -hmm. So giving up alcohol, it's a very high New Year's resolution to want to lose weight, right? I'm yes. going to eat healthy. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to give up sugar. I'm going to lose weight. I mean, yeah. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to go to the gym. I mean, all of these. I think health is probably like one of the number one New Year's mm -hmm. resolutions that people make, right? Definitely. It's yes. way high up there. <laughs> yes. Yes. They want the absolute top statistics. Man, I wish I could like, I wish I could remember right now, but it's like, yeah. like a hundred percent it is the statistic. I mean, that's why everyone's going to the gym January 1. There's dry January. 
Um, gym memberships are going to be less. There's going to be a lot of product pushing for weight loss, for getting healthy, for, you know, even getting those like cute new sports bra to get into the gym. Like it's right. a very health centered time. Yes. And then, so it's like, we have all of this motivation or maybe it's even just enthusiasm <laughs> sure. for getting healthy, for making these changes. But then these changes are so hard to make in a sense. Um, we go in thinking, okay, I'm going to do it. And we have some success even at the beginning, but can you explain what happens? Like, why do we fall off track? Why is it by the end of January or the middle of February, we've kind of reset back to where we were at so the middle of December? <laughs> right. Yeah. We could set you up for a little success and be aware of what roadblocks are going to come up. I mean, change is hard. We've already like established yeah. that. We've started the conversation there. <laughs> like making these changes is hard for many reasons. But what is making it harder on you is a couple things. Really, really to start, it's that you're just simply doing too much too fast. So doing too much too fast is absolutely the number one way to completely fall off the wagon and is what happens to so many of us. If you have struggled with starting and stopping or yo-yo dieting or being like all in just to be all out, it is, <laughs> it is because we are doing too much too fast. And January 1 really sets a container up for that problem a little bit because we're like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go all out this holiday season and then I'm gonna go all in, watch out come January. Um, you know, even my husband last night was making a joke. It's like, I'm going to get six pack abs, you know, in January. And like, <laughs> of course we know, I mean, we do deep down know that that is not the way to actually make true habit change. Yeah. Yet the transition of the new year feels energizing. It feels motivating. So we want to run with that. Like, yes, if you are feeling a surge of motivation and energy, run with that. And we look really conscious not to do too much too fast. So like, don't commit to going to the gym six days a week if you're not going to the gym at all. Don't commit to like completely cut out sugar, alcohol, gluten, dairy, and go to the gym six days a week all in January and then expect that come February 1, you're just going to be magically maintaining these things. That is not how habit behavior change works. So be really careful to not do too much too fast and say like that's number one. Yeah. And then, I mean, when we do that, when we kind of, try to make these big leaps in our, mm -hmm. in our lifestyle um, rather than small steps that we're progressively adding on, yeah. inevitably we kind of fail, right? We're kind of Absolutely. setting ourselves up for failure. And then what does that do to us psychologically when we're failing? Yeah, that's such a good question. So that actually kind of is another huge theme into why we just can't stick to it past January is we change best by feeling good. Every time we go to bed and we think like, damn it, can I say that? Yeah, I'm yeah. Not sure, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> you can swing it. Okay. okay, if we go to bed and we're like, damn it, I said I was gonna do this thing and now I'm not doing it or I didn't do it, you're, you're training your brain that you're the type of person that doesn't trust your own word, that you are not committed to yourself enough to follow through because Hermie, if you had like a, a lunch date with me tomorrow, would you just not show up for it? <laughs> no, I would show but, up for sure. <laughs> right. It would be ridiculous, right? You wouldn't just not show up for your friend or this lunch yeah. date or this interview for this podcast. Yeah. Right. But how many times do we say we're going to do something and then we not do it? 
If we do that pattern over and over and over again, we are training ourselves to say, see, I told you you couldn't do it. See, you're not the type of person that follows through. See, you're, you're never gonna get healthy. You don't do that. See, you're too busy. So you're just like, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of, I believe I'm not doing it and I'm not doing it. And now we're literally training our brains just to not follow through. Mm -hmm. So what happens when we do too, too much too fast? We fall off the wagon. What's the first thing we think of? Um, I suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I suck. See, I told you I knew I, knew I wouldn't be able to. Because we've trained our brain to say every time I start an exercise routine, every time I start eating healthy, every time I try to like give up alcohol or sugar, I don't do it. And if we do too much too fast... It's not possible. We are already setting ourselves up for failure. So by really slowing down and focusing on consistently good over inconsistently perfect, we are able to be like, ooh, I did achieve that. Instead of going to bed thinking, damn it, I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do again. Oh, well, I guess maybe I'll try tomorrow. Yeah. But you won't because, you, because you've trained yourself not to. You go to bed mm -hmm. saying... You feel, you feel pride. You feel so yeah. proud that you did what you said you were going to do. And that's motivating. Everyone says we need to know our why. Everyone says, like, know your why in order to, like, follow through with something. And, yes, I think that's, like, a really important concept. Mm. But I really believe that it's also about feel proud. So if you start small and you reward yourself along the way, you end the day feeling proud of how you showed up because you did what you said you were going to do because you were training your brain to follow through. That's motivating. You actually get a hit of dopamine every time, every single time you do something, you say you're going to do something, you do it and you reward yourself. In that moment, you get a hit of dopamine. That dopamine, just like the food, right? <laughs> Makes you feel good. Yeah. You're more likely to change. When you, you're going to change by feeling good, not by changing bad. Mm -hmm. So that motivation that you get from dopamine there in that moment mm -hmm. is going to inspire you to do it again the next day. Right. So the cost of doing too much too fast and constantly quitting on yourself is so high. Mm -hmm. That cost is so high because you are ingraining yourself that you're not the type of person that follows through. When instead you want to be like, I am the type of person that when I say I'm going to move my body or when I say my alarm goes off and I get up, I get up. I move my body. But that only starts by small enough because life is hard. Kids get sick. Work deadlines take longer than we thought they were going to take. And we have too many things on our plate. Now we can't follow through. Now we've kind of set ourselves up for failure. We feel bad about it. We quit and we tell ourselves, well, it's what I've always done. Mm, yeah, exactly. And then you're like spiraling in this negative self-talk. And then you're just like, oh, I shouldn't even try. And then it's inevitable failure <laughs> exactly yes and yes, feeling exactly bad right. about yourself on top of it <laughs> that's exactly right and um, can I give you an example of this yeah. this is like a really good real life example if um, anyone listening to this like if you have kids right and we think about like when they were learning to walk mm -hmm. and they stand up and what does everyone do we cheer <laughs> we cheer we're like yes you're doing it and then they kind of fall back down and we're like that's okay do it again. And they yeah. get, oh, they just get the sweetest little <laughs> smiles on their face. And they look around the room. And do you know what feeling they're feeling in that moment? Pride. Pride. <laughs> Pride. Yeah. They're like, 
ooh, they kind of sit up a little taller. And they're yeah. like, okay, I'm going to try that again. I just got so much positive feedback from that action. I'm going to yeah. do it again. Yeah. So I'm sure you can see where this is going, right? Yeah. If we, in our adult versions, mm-hmm. fall down mm-hmm. and we're like, well, you suck. Yeah. What are you doing? Why are you even trying that? Do you think we're going to do that again? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> and if we do, we're going to have a lot of resistance. Yeah. But in that moment, if we're like, I didn't like quite get it, but like you drink some water, you, you worked on that commitment, yeah. we're going to be like, yeah, I want to drink that water again tomorrow. I want to move my body again tomorrow. So it's really important to ingrain these behaviors and habits mm-hmm. to not do too much and to really evoke pride in yourself, reward yourself in real time. Like, yes. And even if it's super small, like I actually chopped up that broccoli and put it on the side of the pizza instead of letting the broccoli go bad again this week and drowning it out. I'm going to kind of give myself a pat on the back. I'm going to kind of smile. That's, that's really ingraining that habit and that behavior. Yeah. And I think that's, that brings me to another kind of interesting question that relates back to food and diet which is like, we're so used to rewarding ourselves with food that, you know, I think that becomes a bit of a, a paradox in a sense when we're trying to like create healthy habits or a healthy lifestyle. And then we're like, okay, I ate a salad for lunch instead of pizza. (laughs) And then, and then you're like, okay, I want to celebrate. I want to reward myself. And you're like, yeah, but how I can't eat anything yeah that's such a good question and this is so hard right because we talked about how we start learning that we reward behavior with food at a young age so just understanding that this is super normal this happens for all of us and it takes some time some patience and some some reframing to understand how can I celebrate myself without food Also, you know, we still have birthday parties, holiday parties, all these celebrations that are food-centered. So learning how to, like, navigate these celebrations with food involved is, it's it's complicated. So, uh, you know, first, just speaking to, like, the little micro-celebrations, those are really moments of, like, hey, good job. Hey, I'm going to smile at myself. I like to imagine my, like, little one-year-old cheering for herself when she was learning how to walk you know it's just like a moment of like that was the right choice like you you know every choice we make is the vote for the person we want to become you make that choice where you like move the body your body even if you didn't feel like it and you want to just be like good job you know and then you kind of move on it's not like a big celebration you probably have to go make breakfast for your family and jump on a work call and all this stuff it's just a moment of grounding that habit in and saying i did it i'm proud of myself so I just want to like kind of say that. And then, yes, learning to celebrate without food is a really interesting journey. <laughs> um, really, you know, the first thing I want to say is when we use food for celebration, let's say it's the end of a long day, we had like some pretty big work things, and then we like, like, ooh, I'm going to have this, these leftover cookies, right? And maybe we eat them like kind of quickly or... We like have dinner, but we're like got to get the kids to bed and we've got like lunches to make and there's dishes piling up and we're like, what else can I have that cookie? So you like kind of have it quick and then maybe it tastes good. Sure, maybe it tastes good. But how long does that like reward feedback actually last? Hmm. Yeah, not so long if we're not really paying attention to it, right? If we're just kind of doing it amidst all the other things. Right, right, exactly. 
And then, you know, also, even if we were super mindful and just like loving the cookie, how long could it take to eat a cookie? I don't know, maybe like three minutes if we were like slow and chewy, yeah. like going really slow, right? Yeah, it was like okay, three so seconds. Right. Okay, so three seconds to three minutes, depending on how slowly you're in, indulging in the cookie. And so that's your reward. After it's gone, do you get any more reward? No, not really. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's like a pretty quick and fleeting reward. So I think it's an interesting thing to notice. And then sometimes, if it's not a mindful choice, it's also followed up by feeling like crap. Right. Because we feel guilty that we made a choice that we didn't love. Mm-hmm. So now we had like a three-second to three-minute reward, followed by like feeling pretty guilty about a choice we made that lasts all night and into the next day. So three-minute reward at max for hours and hours and hours of kind of guilt or not feeling happy about that choice. Mm -hmm. Is that really a reward? Yeah, no. Is that really a celebration? (laughs) No. 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 Yeah. So can food be celebratory? Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And we also need to find other ways to give ourselves celebrations and rewards for a long day. It's harder though. Food is such a quick easy, feel good, just like alcohol. It gives you an immediate, I feel good, just like TV, just like scrolling Instagram. But what do all of these things have in common? That feel good is really fast, like depleting quickly. It's a fast, quick hit, Mm -hmm. and then it's gone quickly too. Mm -hmm. It's harder to reach for your book than it is to scroll Instagram. But tell me this, do you feel more rewarded and rejuvenated after scrolling Instagram or after reading your book? Yeah, definitely reading the book. You feel better. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But it's a harder choice in the moment. So this is twofold. It's one, we need to explore other ways to find indulgences and we need to reframe the word. Like maybe an indulgence is, I've had a lot of conversations with clients about this. Like medical food was always an indulgence, like for many of us. And then she wrote to me and we were looking for other ways of indulgences and she went out, and this was the summer, and she bought like expensive flowers mm-hmm. um, from this like beautiful gardening shop down the road and spent the afternoon off of work and off of cooking and off of kids. And like she loves her garden and she like bought these, what she considered to be overpriced flowers, but they were beautiful and like made her front of her house look gorgeous. Nice. And that to her, if we redefine indulging, was a different form of indulgence. She spent some time off doing something she loves. She spent a little bit more money maybe on these special flowers that she brought her so much joy. All of that took a lot more thoughtfulness, Mm -hmm. a lot more time. But I do think it's a really good question to ask yourself, like what are other areas of my life that I can indulge? Because we want to indulge. We deserve to indulge. We work too hard not to indulge you can't just always work yeah and that's coming from like a type a workaholic we have to have some fun yeah but we don't want to always rely on food to do that so ask yourself like what are other areas i can indulge in that's not food related and then know that you're gonna want to reach stress food because that's the easier thing but the easier thing the instant gratification choice is not the long-term beneficial choice so we want to start playing the long game asking ourselves what is the good for later choice? What is the choice that's going to leave me feeling good long-term versus the choice that's going to make me feel, leave me feeling good now? That's the harder option. It's going to make you d- uncomfortable, but if discomfort was a little bit of our compass there, mm. how can we let that guide you? I love that. So what's coming up for me, and this is like from a, a yogic 
perspective is the Bhagavad Gita, which is a yogic text uh, from India. They talk about these three qualities, which are called gunas. And so probably most of my listeners will know this, but one is sattva and it's like light and transparent and um, enlightening and uh, fresh and, you know, all the qualities that, that we associate kind of with goodness and, and, and enlightenment and peaceful and, you know, beauty and all these things. And then there's rajas, which is more like hyperactivity, like in the world, active, um, you know, anger, lust, like all of these sort of like worldly kind of qualities, desire, passion, aversion, like all these things are kind of tied up into rajas, into this movement. And then the third quality is tamas, which is the heavy, lethargic, um, dark, um, old, stale, like all of these qualities. And so in the Gita, as well as in Ayurveda, food gets categorized into the type of quality that it promotes. So foods that are, you know, fresh, uh, organic, like, you know, salads, fruits, some grains, like things that are whole foods, healthy, are more categorized in the sattvic category. Foods that are more um, increasing, like our activity (laughs) processed, you know, increasing our metabolism would be more in like the rajas categories, like maybe coffee or chocolate or, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) protein bar, something like that, right? Uh, Foods that are stale, heavy, that decrease our energy, you know, would be more in the tamasic category, leftover food, things like this. So, but what's coming up for me is that what you were speaking to was that choices that are sattvic choices, the Gita describes as bitter in the beginning, but sweet in the end. And so, (laughs) so things that lead to this quality of lightness, levity in our spirit, in our body, in our mind are hard at the beginning or bitter at the beginning, but then have a quality of sweetness at the end, right? We enjoy it. We, we feel better from it, even though at the beginning we resist. And then activities that are more rajastic in nature are sweet in the beginning, but bitter in the end. (laughs) So they're easy to do, like reach for the ice cream or, you know, reach for a glass of wine. And it's something that we crave because that's the nature of rajas. It's induced by craving. But in the end, it's bitter. It has like kind of a toxic residue that we feel not great about (laughs) in some way. Right. (laughs) And then tamasic is bitter in the beginning and bitter in the end. So it's like when you eat those leftovers and they don't taste good and they make you feel like shit, right? (laughs) That's like not good. That's just stay away from that category altogether. (laughs) But, uh, so it was interesting just listening to you to speak about this because it reminded me of this and how, It's so hard sometimes to do the hard thing, even though we know it's going to make us feel better after we do it. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, it's (laughs) such a great example. That is exactly correct. And I hope that that feels really relevant to your audience and kind of grounding in how to kind of 
pick these foods and if you're going for the instant gratification or like the long-term sweetness yeah so um, what are some like tips and tricks that you have for oh, yeah. like reminding ourselves because like you know when you're faced with these two choices like okay I could go for a walk after dinner and mm-hmm. um you know and I know that that's gonna I'm gonna feel better I'm gonna it's gonna make me feel really good or I could throw on Netflix and just like relax and I've had a really long day. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. How do we remind ourselves to, you know, make the choice that's going to give us that sweetness in the end rather than the quick fix, immediate gratification in the moment? Yeah. Such a good question. A couple things. And this kind of brings it full circle too, back to the beginning of our conversation. I have like, why are these habits? Like, why can't we stick to it? Yeah. I think, you know, this is a really, really important part of like my practice that I want, want to share is that we're all waiting around mostly to feel like it or to be motivated to do it. And in January, we have this really awesome natural surge of motivation that just comes with the new year, which is amazing. What a gift. But hear, hear me now, that's going to run out. <laughs> yeah, like, like by January 5th for me. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're like, you got this like steam going and then just like hit a wall. And you're like, oh my God, my motivation isn't there. That alarm is going off. I've been getting up at five to do my morning routine. And, you know, it's day five and my alarm goes off and I'm like putting my middle finger up to it and I'm like turning it off, hitting snooze and rolling over, like throwing my phone down. I want nothing to do with this. This is going to happen. You need to expect that your motivation is going to run out. And we can't wait around to feel like it because we're just not going to. So one really core principle in my practice is act the way you want to feel. Mm-hmm. So it's like bring it back to that, the walk example. Mm-hmm. You might not feel like going for the walk. You're probably not going to have the motivation ever at the end of the day to go for a walk. Yeah. I'm exhausted by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. But if I've identified that walking at the end of the day helps improve my digestion, if I've identified that it helps me be more patient with my kids' bedtime routine, or that it helps me sleep so much more peacefully, mm-hmm. um, and that walk is pretty important. But I can't wait to feel like it to take the action of walking. I have to take the action first and trust that the feelings will follow. Mm. very important does that make sense yeah that's that is a that's a key moment like take the action first and trust that the feelings will follow yeah these are those moments when i'm like shooting a video or something i'm like stop and you're listening to this while you're also doing laundry or taking a walk i applaud you and taking the time to listen to this but also stop and hear this moment please yeah (laughs) we want to act the way we want to feel instead of Wait for the feelings to show up and then take the action. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you're constantly stopping and starting, you might be letting your feelings dictate mm-hmm. your actions. And you can't trust those feelings to always be the best indication of the direction you should be going. Yeah. So how can we how can we do that? How can we not just wait for the feeling to do the action? How can we do the action first and and then trust that we're gonna feel better in the end. (laughs) This is when where we're very, very, very good at giving ourselves the scraps of our day. Yeah. Right. We're very good at being like, I want to work out more. I want to eat healthier. Whatever time I have left today, I will do those things. (laughs) You should laugh. You should laugh at that sentence because there's no such thing as having leftover time in this day and age. We're so busy. So, 
you have to ram it in with your calendar. So if we're bringing it all full circle, we want to start small, not do too, too much too fast. We want to stop giving ourselves the scraps of the day, start using our calendar to intentionally put some of these things on the calendar. Block out that evening walk if that's what's important to you. Block out that yoga session at a certain time on your calendar if that's what's important to you. Right? Yeah. If, you know, you prioritize your life or someone else will. The phone will always ring with one person that has, wants to talk to you. Your kid will be homesick. There will always be, you know, your boss or a, or a client coming in with more needs. Someone else will always take your time from you mm-hmm. and you will be left with nothing. So you have to prioritize it in your calendar, like actually write it in. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's not too many things <laughs> yeah. because then now your task is to hold yourself truly committed no matter what to that. Yeah. Why? Because you are the type of person who follows through. Not the type of person that you can't trust your own word to. We're, we're not right. doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now you trust that you follow through. And when you're leading up to that evening walk and you're like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. You act the way you want to feel. It's on your calendar. You get started. Starting is the hardest part. Once you get going, it's not hard anymore. Yeah. And you do it. Yeah. I love that. That's so valuable because I think it re- really relates to... Also, I mean, many listeners have an Ashtanga yoga practice and often during the holiday season, you know, life is busy. Maybe you're traveling, maybe it's time with family. And often people will like consciously just take two weeks off and just be like, okay, I'm just not going to do it. And which is great. I celebrate that is totally, totally fine. But to get back into it can be really hard because then you're out of the habit and it's so hard to, again, it's like, then you have to kind of start new habit, mm-hmm. even though it's something that, that you're used to when you're out of the routine, mm-hmm. it's hard to start the routine. So what you're saying is to just put it in your schedule, yes. time to start and get going, Yes, even Absolutely. if you don't feel like it. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And trust that the feelings will follow. Yeah. And, and you know, I want to speak to that, too. I think it's so important to take rest and to recover. And there's so much productivity in that. And, yes, when we are trying to develop new habits, taking big chunks of time off can feel a little bit like restarting. Mm. So say you have maybe more of, like, a complex yoga routine that takes, like, two hours out of your day and you're like, I want to like take myself some time off instead of just stopping. Yeah. What is the smallest amount of thing you can do to hold space and hold place for still showing up for your yoga practice, for still showing up for yourself, for keeping that habit alive without stopping. Yeah. I think when we just stop completely, it just puts us in that constant cycle of now I'm all in now I'm all out. Right. We want to have more fluidity there. Mm-hmm. Some days, sometimes we might be like ramping up, like training for a marathon. And some yeah. days we might be like taking 10 minute walks, but we're just not stopping moving our body. Yeah. I love that. That's so wise. And even I think is really beautiful too, because 
when you're developing a spiritual practice, right? And there's many ambitious spiritual practitioners yeah. <laughs> listening, you know, and you have like a two or three hour morning routine of, you know, maybe meditation and pranayama and journaling and prayer and mantra and yoga. And it's like this beautiful thing. But then like, that's not that realistic to do all the time. And so what can you do? Maybe it's sitting for five minutes and doing a five minute meditation, or maybe it's doing, you know, five rounds of alternate nostril breathing or like something that is your, um, like the viable minimal, minimal practice that you can do. Right. Or if you're used to running at a certain time, well, maybe you're not running five miles you're going to just go for a five minute walk around the block or something like that, just to hold that space in your day and in your life. This is profound. And you know, if, then I'm in good company. You guys, I am a type A, ambitious, like workaholic and do it all. I want, you know, to squeeze everything into every minute of my possible day. And my backstory is coming from a very extreme all or nothing mentality around fitness and around food, which became extremely toxic. And so if that is, you know, a trait that you are kind of feeling like you're waiting for the perfect circumstances, if you can only do two hours or you can't do it all, I would really encourage you to play with this. And we have to stop letting perfect be the enemy of good. Doing something will always be better than doing nothing. And if you're looking for long-term habit change, really want to encourage yourself to just do something, even if it's for two minutes. And you're going to have negative talk. Like, so expect that if you're, if you're the type of person that's like super type A and ambitious and like you love having like a two hour routine, when you do five minutes, the first thing you're probably going to think is like, that sucked. That yeah. Count for anything. Or like, you know, for my like runners, they're always like, I didn't burn any calories. Why do that? You know, walking, what does that do for me? You know, or like, if I didn't have my two-hour beautiful practice, yeah. what is that possibly going to do? I'm not going to do it. It does way more than you think. And, the, like, the biggest part is that it's proof that you're continuously committed to yourself and your practice. Some days you have spaciousness to do just this beautiful long practice. But not every day. And on the days you don't have that, you're still going to do something for yourself. You're going to honor yourself and your commitment. And you're going to keep that habit alive. And so be proud of yourself for that. And then know that the next day you can do more. And if you're like, oh, Lane, I've gone like two weeks and I've only done these five minute things, then that's when you need to take a step back. Look at your calendar. Ask your spouse like, hey, on Saturday, I need like two hours. I haven't been making time for this. It's really calling to me and I need some support around that. But it'll be so much easier to make those two hours happen if you've done those five minutes versus just stopping completely and then trying to do those two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think it is such a cycle. I mean, I know I experience it too, of just especially like when you're service oriented, you have kids and a family and a business and all of the things to fit all of these habits and practices and do all of the you know, live the kind of life that you want to live. And, um, and I think it's just so good to bring awareness to like the little bits do make a difference and they do add up. And then also not trying to change everything all at once <laughs> and then celebrating yourself after you do the small things. That's a big one too, because that's yeah, often keep, a step that, you know, 
especially if you're a, an overachiever, you overlook <laughs> and yeah. you say, oh, I only did five minutes. And then you're putting yourself down instead of saying, yeah, I did five minutes. Good for me. And making yourself feel good. And you're not going to want to do it again if you're putting yourself down rather than celebrating right. yourself. Yeah. All of those things are so, so great. And this is the secret to, to follow through. Like if you've been someone that has like really intense seasons and then like really like lulled seasons where you're not doing anything, um, you know, I was constantly yo-yoing between feeling like on track and off track all the time using those like extreme words. I'm like really on track and healthy or like let it all go and I'm not doing anything. If you kind of yo-yo between those, like th these are the steps to just to identifying as a person who takes care of themselves and being able to do it as someone who is super busy. Remember, I've got three kids, five and under. I've got three horses, three dogs, and I run my own business. Like to be able to be on track means being flexible, but never quitting. Yeah, I love that. Being flexible and never quitting. I think that's like the definition of yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so... Can you share before we go, just some tips for someone, because I know also probably listeners like me, I'm like, okay, come the new year. I'm already planning it, <laughs> setting yep. myself up for failure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change all of these different things about my diet. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get on that treadmill every day. I'm going to do my two hour yoga practice. I'm going to right? I'm already like, imagining my ideal day which has actually 36 hours in it instead of 24 right, right. <laughs> absolutely and so what are some um like ways that we can create a supportive environment and also still like make progress towards little changes that we want to make along the day because even though it's a you know setting ourselves up for failure by trying to change too much all at once is not good I mean, you know, as well as I do that there's, you know, this high achiever uh, oh, yeah. pattern that's like, no, I need, I want to do all of these things and I'm going to do them all well and excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so how can we kind of like <laughs> still honor ourselves in showing up and, and creating healthy habits for our body, for our mind, for our diet, for our families, for our life? Um, and I can feel so like, relate to that. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we're not dropping the ball in any area, right? Right. Yeah, because there are because you are so ambitious and there are so many things you want to do with your life, which is yeah. should be celebrated. And congratulations. I mean, you're actually at like the, the minority of the population. There are plenty of people just kind of like coasting along. So right. like I applaud <laughs> your ambition and your desire to do more. I am the same way. And that can get in our way. So, so what do we do? So it's the beginning of the year. I would challenge you to like get out a notebook and just like free write all of your goals and your dreams and your desires with your health. Like get it all out. Yeah. All of it. Okay. And then we're going to take like big picture and we're going to funnel it down to like this week. Okay. We're going to start here. I want you to know we are going to keep all of that written down on paper because we're going to get to it. Because your mind is going to be like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, yeah, but I wanted to work on this. Yeah, but I wanted to work on this. And you're just going to say, yeah, I took that note. I'm going to get to it. I will get to it. I can't do it all right now. 
So then how do we pick? How do we pick like what's most important? We've got this like huge journal. You want to do like one million things. <laughs> yeah. And like, what do we do? So I have a saying that I do with every client. It's super simple. And I have them identify what their ripple effect habit is. So I think we all have one. It's the one thing that when we do it consistently, we've noticed it has this really positive and beautiful ripple effect mm-hmm. in other areas of our life. So for example, um, a lot of people say like every time I get eight hours of sleep, I notice it's much easier for me to feel less snacky. I eat less carbs and sugar. I'm actually like more, I'm, I'm happy to make breakfast because I feel a little bit more energized and motivated in the morning. So like sleep is my ripple effect habit. Some people say like every time I move my body. So it's the one thing that when you do it consistently, you notice you just naturally make other healthy good choices for yourself so i have yet to come across someone that's like i don't know what that is <laughs> would you know yours like when i say that um probably is my pranayama practice like my breath work practice i know when Beautiful. i do that then i always feel like i have more energy i'm more positive i'm you know, feel like I, a little more clarity in my mind that I can uh, go around and make better choices. I make better food choices, all of those Beautiful. things. Yeah. So that is the power of the ripple effect, yeah. right? It's the, you want to make better food choices. You want to do all these other things, but instead of like casting a net really wide, we know that that all becomes simpler when you do your breathing practice. Right. So I would say, look at your big list of things. And I would say like, that's number one. So you look at your calendar and you remember that calendar thing, you go in <laughs> and you actually write it down <laughs> in the calendar and you hold space for that, knowing that that's gonna have the, the most efficient, most profound impact. That's where you start. Now, depending on your capacity, that might be the only thing that you focus on. And like if you're high achieving, ambitious person, remember you've got your notebook with like all the other things, you're gonna get to that. All those things, you will hold space for that. And if you also have like, a, t- a big like quarter one is full of these huge work deadlines for you where you're taking like two big trips with your family like know what you have time for set yourself up for success mm-hmm. if you have slightly more capacity pick two to three things total that you're going to really like double down on and then put that in your calendar mm, i love that then accountability right yeah. and you got to do the work right <laughs> yeah. you got to do the work but at least that kind of, does that make sense? Does that feel like that sets you up for like a successful January? Yeah, definitely. That, that feels really good. And I think that also it can be really helpful. I mean, I like how you said at the end of the day, there's, you know, there's never any leftover time for ourselves, really. <laughs> Somehow there's time for Netflix. But that's a, we always make time. That's a different time. situation. <laughs> But I I like, for me too, I know that if it happens first thing in the morning, then it's always the easiest, right? That Mm -hmm. one ripple effect thing. So whether that's, you know, getting enough sleep, I mean, that's, (laughs) you need to prioritize that. But then, you know, doing your practice or walking or, you know, praying or, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, what else would be some, some number one ripple effect goals that people would say? Yeah, a lot of the biggest ones I hear are sleep, movement. Exercise is a huge one. Just moving your body in some capacity. And that looks different for everybody, like from the 
from walking to running to weightlifting to yoga. Like it doesn't have, there's no like perfect thing. It's yeah. just like getting in your body and moving your body has this really powerful ripple effect. I always say movement is motivating. It just gives you this like really kind of like vibe, this motivation just naturally. So movement's a big one. Sleep is a huge one because when we're feel when we feel tired, everything in life just gets so much freaking harder. Yeah. Um, I have a five month old, right? So I'm coming off of like just months <laughs> of not sleeping. And I can tell you uh, very firsthand and closely that I'm a much happier, more productive, healthier eating human when I have gotten rest. So sleep is a really big one. Yeah. Um, eating breakfast, a lot of women are skipping breakfast um, due yeah. to the, we're not feeling very hungry in the morning. Uh, there's 17 million things expected of us first thing in the day. And we drink coffee, which kind of suppresses our appetite, all of that to be like, we just kind of skip breakfast. Yeah. Eating a protein rich, like 20 to 30 grams of protein first thing in the morning, at, or at least if you're like, if you are a faster, you know, mm -hmm. at least by 10, I think has been a huge ripple effect for a lot of people too. Yeah, that's, I mean, we've worked on that, you and I, <laughs> for me. Yeah. And that's really interesting too, that you bring that up because I think that's a really important thing you know i know in our this yoga community um intermittent fasting is often something people really do they don't eat till after their their yoga practice often in the morning which sometimes depending on who you are may not be over you know a lot of times if you're teaching if you practice after maybe you're not eating till 11 or 12 so i mean i think it's a big change but it can also really set your metabolism up, especially mm -hmm. if that's something that you're struggling with, um, in a positive way to burn more calories throughout the day. Absolutely. And listen, it really depends on your goals. So I'm not here to say like what's right yeah. or what's wrong for your body, but if you are trying to lose some weight, if you are struggling with a lot of like overeating in the evenings or like late night cravings, if you are wanting to fire up your metabolism because you're in perimenopause, that uh, is something I would recommend would be just playing with trying, you know, I always want to use the word playing with it's like a hard set rule, but like, you know, you have to do it, but playing with eating earlier in the day, getting that metabolism going, like you said, harmony, and then tapering off towards the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's really a good, <laughs> a good one for, for weight loss. And just like, especially yeah. as, as women age, we have to change, I think our diets and that's sort of an area that you're an expert in is yeah. making dietary changes and shifting what we're eating and how we're eating and times we're eating. Um, mm -hmm. what are some things that people can do if they're, if they're noticing that that maybe they've gained some weight over the holidays or maybe their hormones are changing and they're not really digesting food the way they used to and they're mm -hmm. feeling sluggish and tired and you know all of those symptoms that come with <laughs> aging women and hormonal cycles yeah it's a long time of life <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that's a, like, that's a big question, of course, and there's like lots of different avenues. But yeah, I think one of the common themes I've seen across the board is this like delaying eating until too late in the day and then just simply overeating the second half of the day. So yeah. I'd love to see you like to see not eating two to three hours before bedtime. I would love to see, you know, we always lay like dinner talking about rewarding ourselves. An interesting thing to notice is like, do you eat really light throughout the day and then reward yourself because you like 
finish the day with like a really big meal, that's going to be a lot harder on your body. So kind of trying to flip that around, you know, having 20 to 30 grams of protein at breakfast, if you're a later in your day, could you try to have that by 10 a.m. if possible? Um, You know, moving your body is so key. The average American gets 4,000 steps a day. So um, I'm, you know, these are basic things, but we don't all really do them because our lives are so busy. Me trying to just get like 10,000 steps a day or eight to 10, maybe say eight to 10,000 steps a day can be really helpful for your metabolism. Um, eating or moving your body right after you eat. The research is now saying even just a two minute walk after you eat will stabilize your blood sugar and help to kind of like fire up your metabolism, which gets you into you know burning more fat, which is something I think a lot of us are really interested in <laughs> yeah. um, and helps with improved digestion. And then of course, the sleep. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm going to call the client actually just before this and really cool side effect. She's not only losing weight, but she's, her hot flashes at night have just gotten so much better. Um, just because of these simple practices. Wow. That's amazing. That's so good. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. So like trying to get eight hours of sleep. That's a, sounds like a big one. Seven to nine is like the, is the ideal. Again, yeah. we say these things like with a grain of salt. Uh, I have five month old yeah. baby. Life had you get sick kids like life happens, but that would be the goal. Yes. Yeah. And then having your protein rich breakfast by 10 a.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drinking water. You didn't mention that. And I know that's one of your favorite ones because and I think Always. it's also so good, too, because I notice I crave my more cravings when I'm thirsty <laughs> and yes. we often confuse food cravings for actual water cravings. And <laughs> when we're dehydrated, we, we're 100%. like so thirsty. And then we're like, oh, I think I'm just going to eat this salty snack. <laughs> because... yeah, absolutely. Yes. I challenge you next time you have that craving to just say, hold on. I remembered this podcast episode. I think that Lane chick mentioned something. <laughs> I want you to stop. I want you to chug a glass of water and wait 10 minutes and see if that craving is gone. Most likely, as long as it's not like a true hunger that you're experiencing, that craving will be gone. Yeah. And it works for alcohol too. <laughs> yes. 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 So for dry January, you can use that little trick. You know, drink the water, wait 10 minutes, drink some more water, see how you yeah. feel. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you guys have heard it, but, you know, typically it's like the half your body weight in ounces of water is a really great goal. So if you are um, leaning on a lot of soda or like just simply just forgetting to drink water and you're wondering like how much water to drink in January, if that's a top goal for you, then I would say half your body weight in ounces. Yeah. So that's like, day. I mean, on average, that's about a liter and a half, right? For someone, I mean, like kind of average size and weight yeah yeah um and then also you said movement so like getting out moving your body whether it's outside or inside finding some kind of movement that you like to do yeah and it's so easy and I do this like I'm really good at this too like I just protecting like one time a day to move my body right. but like ideally if we're really talking about fat loss if we're really talking about optimizing our energy and our metabolism and our blood sugar it's really good to move like throughout the day and like you know don't let that overwhelm you a lot of us can have jobs where we're sitting a lot but even just standing up moving your body for two minutes at your computer can be really really beneficial yeah i like that i like that idea even like like turning on a song that you love after you have lunch, like breakfast or lunch or dinner and just like, you know, dancing around your kitchen while you're doing the dishes or yes. just giving yourself a little movement dance party. 
after eating can be so if fun. If you struggle with fatigue, like if you're here and you're like, one of my main things I'm really wanting to focus on this year is like fighting fatigue and having more energy. I think Harmony suggestion there is like a perfect place to start. Of course, there's so many different, of course, it depends on like what you're eating and all of the things, but that little bit of movement sprinkled throughout the day, especially around meal time, I would probably put money down that would significantly help you fight your fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And then just like creating more awareness. What's some ways that we can create more awareness around if we're truly hungry or if we're just craving or, or feeding, mm-hmm. feeding ourselves for, for some other reason rather than hunger. Yeah. Cause eating can be super habitual, right? Yeah. It's like how many times have I, if any of us found our hands like in a chip bowl and like, you know, do it again. And then we're like, what am I doing? Or like eating my <laughs> at chips, least once a week. Butter and, Right, the crust of my kid's PB&J. Like, why, what am I doing? Or I I had a client the other day tell me, she's like, I spit it out. She goes, I took the kid's, like, chips on her plate and I put it in my mouth. And she's like, and then I realized, she's like, I didn't even realize I was eating it until I was, like, in my mouth. And I didn't even want it. And I spit it out. Right? So, like, how can we create more awareness? Yeah, I know Um, that's so hard, especially when you have young kids. I mean, when my son was young... I think my entire diet was like his leftover food. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. My client, and he calls himself like kid, he has five kids. And oh he says, gosh. he's like the like daddy garbage disposal. <laughs> yeah. right? That was like the funny thing they had going on as friend. They're like, here you go daddy, here you go daddy, here you go daddy. Like five leftovers children. on the plates. Five children. Yeah. You can imagine he was consuming a lot of uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> But there was a statistic that came out that said, you know, this can add up to up to 2,000 calories a week just in little, like, bites, like, mindless bites that we're not even aware of. Um, That's amazing. So, yes, building awareness. Awareness creates better decisions, and better decisions creates better results. So, building awareness is kind of, like, the platform of what I would do with anyone right in the beginning. It comes into being more mindful, right? And this is probably a word that your audience resonates with yes very very much (laughs) right yeah um and when life is moving super fast and we have these habitual patterns we're going to default to them quickly without thinking about it and so how do we create for a more mindfulness throughout a fast pace like around food i use a tool called the pause it's truly as simple as that but it's one of the most profound things you can really practice is um creating a little space between the moment that you're grabbing some food and putting it in your mouth really right we want to interrupt that pattern and create a moment to pause and check in so let's say you love to snack at 2 p.m that's like a time where you feel fatigued you're like heading to the pantry you do it every day kind of mindlessly you're heading in to like grab your favorite you know blue chips and your hand is like reaching towards them and i just want you to pause just stop like stop mid-reach and just take a deep breath, roll your shoulders back, and just check in with your body for a second. Am I hungry? Why am I eating? You want to interrupt the pattern of you walking to the pantry and grabbing the chips mindlessly. Man, this is so relevant for me right now, too, with like, it's really, we're coming up like the really busy holiday season. And staying up later, doing all these things for the kids. And I want to snack more to like keep myself going. Mm -hmm. And so it's really when you want to just like pause, ground yourself in and check in. What you're trying to identify is, 
Are you hungry? And if you're not hungry, what are you really craving in this moment? So it's very important. Am I hungry? Okay. Maybe my lunch was too small. Or maybe I skipped lunch and worked through lunch. Okay. Are the chips what I want to eat to fuel myself in this moment for true physical hunger? Maybe they are. Okay. Yeah, I would challenge you one step further. How can you, what can you add to that meal to make it more well-rounded? Can you have chips and add in some protein, right? Or maybe you're like, no, I don't want chips. I have this lunch set aside that I made for dinner last night. I want to go eat my lunch. Great. Now you've interrupted the pattern of just mindlessly grabbing those chips. You go have your lunch. Or I'm not hungry. Okay. So what am I craving? Am I craving rest? Am I craving energy? That's a huge one for the 2 p.m. one, right? If it's the evening time, it's usually, am I tired? Yeah. Am I tired? And I just want food to like, you know, like keep me going. Am I bored? Am I seeking joy? Am I seeking connection? So what is it that I'm really craving that I'm hoping food to be? Yeah. Hey guys, and then this ties us back to that instant gratification. The food is gonna make you feel better for like a quick second. And then afterward, it's just fleeting again. So identifying what that true craving is will then help you to acknowledge how can I best serve that craving in my life today? And yeah, we live in the real world. Maybe you're craving connection, but you still have like six more meetings at work and you've got to like take your kids to sports that night. Okay, but just identifying that can be really important. Maybe you can jump on the phone with your friend on the way to sports, or maybe you can plan a lunch tomorrow with someone that you can really connect to. Yeah. Or does that make sense? Or if you're tired, maybe you can go take a 10 minute nap to reset. Or if you're feeling really low energy, can you put on that song and have a dance party like Harmony recommended? <laughs> yeah. yeah, or take like a two minute breathing break. I mean, that's yes. always my one of my go to's too. if I'm feeling really tired or like just low energy. And instead of going for like the mid midday caffeine hit. Yes you know, pause and just, you know, do two minutes of, of slow breathing. And it, it's as good as a nap, really. <laughs> I love that idea. And that pairs that like habit stack so well with the pause. So if you notice you're constantly going for that caffeine or those carbs in the middle of the day, pause, do your two minute breathing routine, and then check back in with your body. Yeah. How am I feeling now? Am I still being pulled to those chips? And that's going to really like Again, just interrupt that habitual pattern of eating for other things besides fuel and physical hunger. Yeah, I love that. This is so good. This is so juicy. We could talk forever, but we, <laughs> yeah, have, to, we have to end <laughs> at some point. Otherwise, Shoot. we will talk forever. How can people like find out more about how to work with you? Do you have like an incredible freebie that they can download? What's going on on your end? Yeah, great question. I do. Um, I have a snacking survival guide. So I'm all about a good snack. So we never get to the end of the day feeling too hungry or cravings too high. So I have like a really great list of, I think it's like 32 um, kind of craving, crushing, delicious, healthy snacks um, that I can give you. That's a totally free resource. Um, I also have a goal setting workshop going on in January. So I can let you know about that. And yeah, I love chatting. So if you guys have <laughs> any questions, you can just find me at lanestowell.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram. Oh, and in January, I do host a six week kind of um, 
community where we're going to be going through all of these tools that we shared today, plus more on how to really implement cement in and hardwire these habits into your routine for the year and start helping you. If you do have a weight loss goal, this would be like a really great thing to check out. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, we'll put all of the links in the show notes and I just want to thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's been so, so nice. I mean, thank you for having me. Speaking of energy, this just feels very energizing to me. <laughs> you won't need that uh, 2 p.m. chocolate grab or caffeine hit. <laughs> not today. Not today, not Lauren. Today. Not, today. <laughs> not today. Before we go, I just wanted to remind you that I still have a couple of spots left in my More Than Asana mini mentorship. We are starting in just a couple days on January 3rd. And so if you would like some coaching, some guidance, some inspiration, some motivation for diving into your spiritual practice, creating a deeper connection and intention and purpose in your practice, cultivating clarity and confidence in your teaching, and also looking at how to balance effort and ease, doing and being, and the masculine and feminine approaches to practice, then head on over to my website, harmonyslater.com forward slash more dash than dash asana, or find the link in the show notes. There's only a couple more days to sign up. We get started on Wednesday, but of course, all the sessions will be recorded. There's an incredible uh, workbook with so many tools and journal prompts and really incredibly powerful reflection questions for you to dive into as we start this new year in an intentional, conscious way. So I look forward to welcoming you in. If it sounds like something you're up for, I would be happy to coach you for the month of January and help you Make this your best year yet and bring your dreams into reality. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon.